Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rent to Retires, it's Adam Schrader back here for another episode, and we are once again joined by Zach Lamaster, CEO of Rent to Retirement. Zach, thanks for joining us for this episode. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Adam, and talking about, you know, I think one of the topics we get a lot of questions about simply about why do you invest out of state? A lot of people want to be comfortable investing locally, or they feel comfortable investing locally. They want to do that as a starting point for one reason or another. It seems easier when the reality is they likely could do significantly better, have better returns, better appreciation, strategically investing in different areas. It all comes back to having the right people in place locally or out of state. And so I'm excited to talk about this topic. Yeah. So it it all stems from there's a a certain place many people have heard of and I've been going around there and I see it and you see it on other websites as well too. But so many people are of the opinion that your first deal needs to be close to home. A lot of them sometimes even say, you know, buy one down the street. Well, first off, if you've got money to invest in real estate, you're probably not living in a neighborhood that's you've got a house right down the street from you, unless you're in a place where zoning is not the greatest. But they say you want it to be close to home because then if there are any problems, you can drive over there and deal with it there. And it's just, quote unquote, easier. And I, I've been thinking about this and wondering why people have that thought. I mean, I know real estate seems like it would be easier close to home. But in reality, I started thinking, I'm going, why would you bother if you know you want to go out of state because you're in, say, Austin, where I am, and you know it's not going to make sense over the long haul? Why are you going to go building a team in your local market so that you can go somewhere else? It's it's kind of a, I don't think people are thinking this through very much. What do you think? Well, I think it comes down to just kind of a comfort sort of scenario where if someone's living in a market and they're familiar with the market, it it seems more attainable or easier to invest locally. They can, you know, there's a certain level of comfort associated with potentially driving by the house, although that can also be a deterrent from, you know, the bigger picture of focusing on your business and scaling it over time. But I think a lot of a lot of this comes down to people not being comfortable or being aware and educated about how do they get started investing out of state. The most strategic, the most successful and strategic investors, they invest across multiple markets. You never find someone that's been real successful in real estate that's only invested in one single asset class, one single location. You know, and they're I think they're focusing on where the best opportunity is. Is it the exact same thing that we do on a personal level? I, I did that. We invested locally. Even the first house I lived in was a duplex, rented out half manage the other half. I had a multiple rentals I acquired over many years that I, I self-managed. And there was, there's definitely this breaking point where it's like, you can, you only have so many hours in the day. And I was in the air force at the time. And as an optometrist having a full-time job, you know, so this is after hours and this is before we had kids. So I had the time then not, not necessarily on the, the evenings and weekends when I wanted to be spending my time uh, dealing with tenants and changing toilets and things like that. But I kind of got to the point where it's like, Hey, my time is better spent focusing on how to scale my portfolio, grow it, diversify it, and then employ the people that are really going to be in the place to manage the property and handle that. And and honestly, they did a better job managing properties (laughs) than I did. 
um, for multiple reasons. They didn't, you know, they held their rules strict where I was too nice with people and that led down a path of being taken advantage of as a landlord. Yeah. Um, but also mm -hmm. focusing on the, the scalability, which is really the end goal here of how do you build a successful business model long term and you need the people in place. What is your time worth? Your, you know, hour per hour, usually most most people in their regular W-2 job or their business, whatever the case is, per hour, you earn significantly more than you are managing, you know, locally. So that's my two cents. Yeah. And I will say what you're talking about. I mean, it sounds like such an easy thing to not do whenever you say, you know, you were too generous on your timeline when it came to, comes to rent. I, whenever I started self-managing for a few months, whenever in a different market I'm in, it's, it's hard to tell people, no, you owe me a late fee or, you know, no, I, I appreciate you sending me the money, but you need to send me more, you know, and, you know, especially if it's next door, you know, you have to go knock on the door and say, Hey, you know, let's uh, give them my money <laughs> in a lot of ways. And it's so much easier. I mean, I, by the time that rolled around, there have been some months that I just had to say, you know, and one of them I felt terrible. They sent me a check. It was $2 short, but technically speaking, rent wasn't paid and the late fee was applied to it. So I had to be like, Hey, that $2 is now $77. Sorry, but you know, it, you, you still owe it. And so I happily handed that off. But when it comes to actually doing the, the fixes, unless you're a very handy person, you're going to be hiring somebody to do that work for you. And in today's world, it's just as easy to hire someone to do it for you in, you know, Indianapolis as it is where you live. I mean, you're, you're literally doing the exact same thing. You're going on to, you know, Angie or Home Advisor or some app like that, Thumbtack maybe, and you're hiring them based on the reviews they have there and the phone conversation you're going to have with them regardless. So in reality, you're doing the same thing as if it were, 20 minutes away in town. It's just, it feels like you were saying the mindset is just a little bit different, but when you look at it on the long haul and you see, you know, okay, I'm spending the same amount of time, assuming you're all doing this yourself, obviously, you know, I'm spending the same amount of time doing it, but I'm buying in my market that doesn't make sense. You know, you start to look at it on the whole and you realize, Oh, I'm making a whole lot more money. I'm making a lot better returns. Maybe I don't have to start where I live. It is just that comfort level. And I'm trying to figure out kind of how we as a, as a group and as a thing can, can really explode that and make people say, Oh, you know, and that's what this podcast is about. Obviously that's what rent retirement is about. But every time I see that, I think to myself, I wish I'd gotten to them sooner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's hindsight, you know, any successful investor, you ask him if they could go back 20 years or whatever, what would you do differently? And kind of the unanimous answer is always, I wish I would have started sooner and I wish I would have yeah. been more aggressive early on. Time is on your side, the longer you own real estate, but it kind of goes back to the point of having systems in place. Even if your local market does make sense, even if you can cash flow well in, in the local, in your local market, which is becoming more rare um, as house prices are appreciating like crazy. And in and, and a lot of markets, taxes are going up dramatically. You know, you have legislation, that's an uphill battle. Those are all things to consider in, in determining a market and what's going to build a su sustainable business model long-term. I think there's a lot of things to consider, but I, I think going back to our main point here, Adam, that we want to cover is you don't have to invest locally to start. I understand that it, it's a little bit outside of your comfort zone, 
but it's important that you have the systems and the teams in place, which is exactly where we would come in to bridge the gap. So you already have that system set up. You don't have to go on Angie's list and try to find <laughs> contractors and call around 20 different people. Then property manager is going to handle that for you. There's already a system in place. They have the best people in place to deal with those items efficiently and also at the most cost effective way. It's better. And I love this about the book, The E-Myth. If anyone hasn't ever read that, The Entrepreneurial Myth, it's about a baker that bakes an excellent product and is great at baking cakes, but she's in there baking cakes, not working on the business. And she comes to this kind of idea, a reality that, hey, she really needs to, to grow her business and build a sustainable model and to live the lifestyle that she wants to, she needs to f start working on the business instead of in the business. And that, that applies to any business, real estate investing, you're building a business and you need to have that mindset when you go into it. If you want to have some sort of su substantial passive income over time, you're going to need multiple doors and you're going to need a systematic approach to do that. And you want to be diversified across different asset classes, different locations to for sustainability purposes. You want to be invested in different areas. And you also want to be conscious about, you don't want to limit yourself. You want to be conscious about where is the best opportunities to invest. Likely that's not your own backyard. And there's many different markets out there with exceptional opportunities. Why not explore those? If you're going to get a better return, better equity position, like some of the new construction where you can come into a significant amount of equity. I mean, that's, that's hard to do in a lot of areas. Most new construction, hardly cash flows. And so it's, it's just having the right approach and working with the right people and the right teams and systems in place to be able to invest. And the first property is always the hardest. I, I always encourage people, get that first one done. Worst case scenario, if you don't like the market or the, you know, the property or whatever, it's just not for you. It's a physical asset. You can sell it. And it will even assist you with that. We have plenty of investors looking in these markets. As you know, our properties sell very quickly. We have extremely high demand. So if you need to liquidate the property at any point in time, we'll assist you with that. It's easy and you know, you're likely going to sell for more than you bought it for. It's just a matter of getting started, getting that first one under your belt mentally and emotionally to put you in the investor mindset and realize that, hey, buying a property out of state, it's the exact same process. You follow the same steps. We're going to walk you through all of that. And that's going to open your eyes to investing most strategically in the best locations. Yeah. And one of the things you were talking about there is the property management. And that is... I tell people all the time, you know, property management can make a great deal bad and a mediocre deal great um, as you handle it. And you, you need to think also, you know, if if you're scaling your business, even if you're scaling it in your hometown, you know, you know let's say you live in Indianapolis or somewhere you know, Cleveland in Cleveland and Ohio or something like that, or maybe even in Florida. As you're scaling your business, you're going to want to find a property manager and they're going to be finding the tenant and they're going to be doing everything. And it just makes, even, even if you don't put that time into your real estate business, it frees up your life. It frees up everything about it because it, it can be such a mental grind on you as you're doing this, that why, you know, you start to think, and this is what I started to think is why am I spending my time doing this and banging my head against the ground whenever I could just pay somebody 8% of my rent to deal with the same headache and they know what they're doing. You know, I, I started looking at it like you were saying when it comes to time. I mean, I'm happy that I took it over because there were some issues I needed to solve. And that was just because I had the wrong team member. My team member who was my original property manager turned started becoming somebody who didn't need to be a part of my team anymore. And that's the beauty of a network is you can say, hey, this team member isn't doing my business any good anymore. You know, it's just like a bad employee. You know, you, what happens to a bad employee, you either work with them and fix them or you fire them. 
Well, I tried working and fixing with my property manager and it wasn't getting fixed. And so I fired them and I took over and I got some stuff done and banged my head against the floor for a while. And then I thought, you know, it's time to hire a new employee. So I went out and I hired a new employee. And whenever you're in business and you hire the right employee, it makes your, your headache go away. It makes everything so much easier. And then it really allowed me the time that I was spending there, the time I was spent thinking about it. Suddenly I could do more things with my life. And some of that was work. But other times, you know, I was dealing, I was on the phone with the clients and on the phone with uh, the repair people at seven, eight o'clock at night. And guess what? I didn't want to be doing that. I could spend that time and spend it with my actual family. And it's really the team members you have to build. You've got to think about them as team members who, and I hate to say it, they're replaceable. And that's why, you know, you have a network around you to help you when you say, hey, these people need to be replaced. Who can I go talk with? And having somebody there, whether it's rental retirement, whether it's your friend who lives somewhere else to say, hey, who should I go talk with? And they can guide you to there because, I mean, that's really the beauty. And that's one of the things I love about real estate investing is anywhere you go, it seems like if you ask for help, you get it. You just have to be willing to ask for it. And asking the right people. You got to have the right people in your network. I mean, we, we talk about this all the time, but your network is vitally important. It's, it's so essential. It's more important than any investment you'll ever make is, is your network. And I think people undervalue that. So many people are just looking at the property itself and that's okay. It's okay to be hyper-focused on the real estate investment itself, but having a network and that guidance and support at a higher level to deal with problems when they come up, to focus on tax strategies about scalability, those things are what's going to allow you to take it to the next level. You know, we're professional investors. We've been successful for many years doing this. What allowed me to leave my profession as an optometrist owning multiple private practices and replace my income with real estate is spending many, many years developing those teams and systems in place. And it wasn't perfect. It's still not perfect. And But it's, it's the simple fact that we are backing the investors. We ha- are well-networked in all these areas. If issues happen, we help you figure it out, right? If, it, if it's finding a new property management team, so be it. We have many excellent teams in these areas that operate at a high level. And sometimes it's a personality fit that just isn't appropriate. And so we, we move to a different property manager, but it's about finding the right teams, building a business model that's sustainable. People want to invest in real estate to create a lifestyle. It's not because they love managing properties, um, you know, unless they're a very unique kind of person, which I am not. But uh, it, it's about building a lifestyle and and creating some sort of passive income where you're receiving income, whether you're working actively towards your portfolio or not, and letting real estate grow over time, increase your network through appreciation and depreciation, tax benefits, cash flow, all those things combined. The tenant paying the loan down that happens while you're sleeping. And so you just got to have the right teams and systems in place. So really, it's not about investing in in different areas, investing out of state. Yes, we want to be conscious about investing in the locations that have the best opportunity and returns, but it's also about building the right network and the right teams and systems and the business model that's going to allow you to ultimately accomplish the goals that you that you strive for. And that's the the key concept. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, we were just talking about building the network. One of the things that I really loved is there's a whole lot of things in society when you ask people about it, they won't tell you. You know, like if, if I just went up to somebody and said, hey, how much do you make? They're not just going to tell me for the most part. But one of the things that I love about the real estate community is you ask people for information. You know, what what are you getting in this market? You know, what are the returns here? What are you doing here? Who are you using here? 
And it's just an open community. I mean, they're just like, oh, you know, in that market, you know, expect to make, you know, 10% cash on cash or expect your cap rate to be this, or I use this person and they were fantastic. And I mean, the doors are wide open out there. I mean, I'm at the point where if someone calls me and says, hey, what is this property doing? Or who do you use here? Or you know, what's the best thing to do in this situation? I'm happy to tell you, even if it is something semi-personal to me. I mean, there's it's just a community that's unlike anything else you really see out there in society because people actually, you know, we've talked about it before, real estate is not a zero-sum game. It's, you know, a win-win all the way around. You know, I like to say it's kind of like a win-win-win-win-win situation because, you know, everybody in the transaction comes away happy. You know, your lender comes away happy, your property manager comes away happy, the seller goes away happy, you go away happy, the tenant ends up happy. I mean, it's not a zero-sum game, and there are so many people out there who can help you get there that really, you, you really do just need to go out there and ask, and you'll get the information you're looking for. And that's one of the things that has really surprised me on my real estate journey. I don't know if it surprised you whenever you got into it, but it definitely has blown me away how easy it is to ask for help and get it. That's an interesting concept because finances are a hard thing to discuss, sometimes even internally with your own family. You know, there's a lot of people that don't talk about finances with their children. Um, you know, within, sometimes it's a dinner table conversation that's just never brought up, uh, you know, just about retirement picture. And a lot of people, you know, it's a stressful thing to talk about. Um, and I think real estate is is quite the opposite where, yeah, you if you're working with other real estate investors and they're in your network, which you should, that's a huge thing to do. I mean, beyond working with with us, I mean, go out there and network with as many people as you can. Join local RIA groups and, you know, every person you meet, there's something to learn from them and potential partnerships in the future. So your network is extremely important. But yeah, everyone's an open book. I've never talked to someone that's like, you know, oh, I'm not going to share, you know, this is scarcity mindset. And most people have the abundance mindset where all tides rise together. And I think that's important. We're all here to help each other on the same path, the same journey. Some people are at different points in their journey, you know, us included, even working in this business, we all have our own personal portfolios and our own endeavors that we're trying to build towards an end goal and towards something. And even once you reach that goal, I've never met someone that is investing in real estate and they receive $10,000 passive income and they're like, okay, I'm done. That's it. You know, it's always, it's always one goal over the next and there's always something else to be doing and learning. And the more you learn and the more you take action, because I truly believe you learn by taking action, you can read as many books and talk to as many people as you want to and listen to as many podcasts as you want to, but you got to buy property. You got to own property. Not every property is going to work out how you expect it to. That's part of the education. That's part of the learning. And even with the negative situations, there's always a solution and there's always something to take away from that to make you a better investor long-term. But we're all on this journey together. And as you grow your portfolio, more opportunities will become available. The more people you network with, more opportunities will become available. And everyone you talk to, yeah, they're happy to share their successes and their failures <laughs> yeah. with you. I mean, quite, quite blatantly, sometimes people talk about the you know, the failures uh, and focus on those too much, but we all have wins and we all have small wins. You know, you take it day by day, as long as you're taking consistent action, you know, we hear about all the time. What is, what is the one thing that keeps people from being successful in, in real estate or reaching their goals? I have two, two opinions on that or two different points. One would be they never get started. 
They never buy that first property. They never start the journey. And there's a ton of people out there and that's okay. We're all, we all get analysis paralysis at one point in time. Life is crazy and busy and we got all sorts of political and new stuff to pay attention to that we shouldn't. But uh, I, I think as long as you start that first property, but the more important thing after that first one is staying consistent. I always like to be buying property. Some properties are home runs, some are singles. That's okay. Long term, it's all about just continuing to scale your portfolio, overcome obstacles as they come up, whether that's on the financing side, whether you have a tenant that's you know being a pain and you got to deal with them. That stuff happens. That's part of the game. It's not easy, guys. That's why most people don't ever get started in real estate. They they're not educated about it. They don't take the initiative and the action. You know, they turn over their money to their 401k, you know, in a mutual fund or whatever, and forget about it because that's easy. That's a click of a button. You don't have to think about it. They, you should. Real estate investing, it takes action and it's it takes involvement. We talk about passive income. There's no such thing out there as truly <laughs> passive income. I hate to break it to you. Even if you're giving your money over to someone else to manage for you, you know, that could seem passive, but it's still your money. You still need to manage it. You still need to evaluate the performance. You still got to manage your property managers. And make sure they're doing their job. And, you know, they're not a perfect system. Property management needs to be, you know, followed up on and you got to hold them accountable. You got to be engaged, but ultimately you got to get started. You got to stay the course. You got to keep investing and learning and taking um, action steps. And sometimes we all lose motivation. That's okay. But that's why a community is so important to have people to re-motivate you and say, get back on that horse, get out there, still invest and you know build a plan and work towards that plan which takes many years but the benefits are worth it you can create financial independence through real estate investing you can create generational wealth for your family for many many years you got to keep that in goal in mind yeah and i love what you said there was you know some of them are home runs and some of them are singles <clears throat> one of the things that i've seen create people who say real estate investing doesn't work or you know come away with a bad taste in their mouth are the people who go up to the plate only trying to hit home runs. Because when you go up to the plate and you only try to hit home runs, you've seen it in baseball, you end up striking out a lot. And in real estate, with the money that it takes to get in sometimes, if you buy too many distressed properties to try to flip or you buy the wrong properties too many times, you know it's really hard to stay in the game. But if you focus on you know what Billy Bean and the what was it, Moneyball said, you know just get on base. It's all about getting on base. You know, sometimes you'll hit a single, sometimes you'll hit a double, sometimes you'll run into one and hit a home run. I mean, you know, you just got to keep up there, keep getting up to the plate and just putting the ball in play and getting it out there. Not trying, you know, if a home run comes along, like if someone came up to me and said, here's a deal, it's fantastic. It's going to make you a ton of money. And they could actually prove it to me. You know, even if it was potentially a flip, I would look into it, even though I've never done a flip, I've never wanted to do a flip. But if it was good enough, you know, I might take a swing for it. But I like people coming up to me and saying, here's a single that could become a triple. You know, you could, you know, maybe stretch it into a double or a triple by just doing these things, managing it right. Or, you know, it's in a neighborhood that's, you know, becoming, you know, seeing appreciation and you're able to do that. But, you know, if you just think about how can I get on base, pass it along to the next deal, to the next deal, to the next deal, it really starts moving you forward. And eventually you look up at the scoreboard and you're way ahead. You know, and the beautiful thing is you're not way ahead of other people. You're way ahead of where you were. You can still have all your other people right alongside you moving forward with you. And the only person you're competing against is the person who wouldn't be the person who's you who didn't start investing. So you just got to kind of look at it in the long term. Like I look back at when I started investing now and Zach, I realized yesterday as I was um, 
going through, I, I downloaded Aaron Chapman's new app uh, yesterday and started looking around with it. Aaron's a lender in our network who's done some podcasts with us. He has his own app now? Yeah, he, uh, it oh, was wow. on that inflation video that he sent out that you... I didn't uh, even know how he knew how to use a, an iPhone or technology. He That's knows how to pay people. <laughs> that, that's good yeah <laughs> but i did it and you know what i realized when i close on this next property i will finally have surpassed a million dollars in mortgage debt <laughs> i love that i yeah. love it because you know just like we were talking about with aaron i mean good leverage is is a tool to be used and is your friend with inflation over time you end if you hold the property long enough you end up paying the the lender back in the future valuation of dollars less than what you're borrowing at it's quite astonishing so inflation is your friend when you're using good debt and the ability to scale over time. You know, since we're on the baseball analogy, you know, you win games with just base hits. You know, that's how you do it. I think uh, that's a beautiful point you brought up, Adam. We're not competing against anyone else. This isn't you, you don't need to worry about who else is out there, where they're at. It's about you and what your journey looks like. And you're competing against yourself on taking action or not and building it over time. It's, it's vitally important to stay committed to, to your goals and things will come up. Issues will come up, but you work past them. Yeah. You just have to not get discouraged because <clears throat> sorry, you have to not get discouraged because you, there will be bumps in the road. <laughs> there will, that's guaranteed, you know, a pipe bursts or, you know, something that for me, a freak winter storm, you know, caused a lot of damage and just had to get through that and look at, I had to look at the long term. say, Hey, the last three years, this property has made me, you know, $4,000 a year. So, you know, taking a $5,000 hit on repairs because of a once in a lifetime winter storm. I guess I just have to handle that. And now that problem is fixed going forward. And the next winter storm, it won't happen because, you know, I repaired it right. And so you just got to take the hits and keep moving forward. And uh, that's important for everybody out there, whether you're getting it started or whether you're in the game for a long time. So I love the point that you made about trying to find that home run or that needle in the haystack investment. So many people sit on the sidelines and, and wait to get involved because they're waiting for that best opportunity. When in reality, if they just would have bought the mediocre deal and held it over time, and you compare those two people, someone that actually does succeed and finds that astonishing deal with excellent returns, at least on paper, and they buy one every one or two years versus the person that just buys the the average deal, you know, two or three a year and fast forward to five or 10 years down the, down the road, the person that was consistently buying and just acquiring real estate is going to be light years ahead, way far ahead of the person that buys the perfect deal on occasion because perfect deals there. Well, I don't believe there is such thing. There's always <laughs> something, you know, with, with the property, but the reality is the simple fact of owning real estate over time and letting time do what it does is what's going to allow you to grow your net worth through appreciation, debt pay down, tax benefits, depreciation, the cash flow income. It's it's all about scalability. Every I like to look at real estate investments as little oil wells. Every little oil well you have is pumping out cash flow, but you're also growing your net worth. You're using leverage to scale your portfolio. And we talk about this um, path with our investors where real estate investing, it's not a linear path of growth and progression. It's an exponential growth. You do get, I mean, it's, it's slow in the beginning, you know, especially with your first few properties, but over time, it's very cool to get to the point where your properties are buying properties just through saving up cash flow, or you've built enough equity over three to four years through the debt pay down and appreciation where you do cash out refi or sell the property in 1031 into other properties. And then you get to take additional tax benefits to write off your active income. If you obtain real estate professional status after owning 
properties, which is likely to, you know, be realistic and you can grow your net worth and invest in more properties by not having to give more money to uncle Sam. We pay so much in taxes and then use inflation towards your advantage, which we're going to have a lot of, and we're already seeing. So, I mean, I love that. Let's kind of move into a little bit of how does the process work investing out of state? We've talked about the philosophy and mindset part of it, but um, let's just do a quick breakdown. I mean, Adam, you have an investor that is thinking about doing this for the first time and they're asking you about how do I invest out of state? Is this a typical real estate transaction? What does the process look like? Maybe we uh, walk through that scenario a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, it, it really does look like just if you're buying the house down the street, you know, the first thing you have to do is get pre-approved and you got to get a hold of lenders. And I tell the people this all the time. We have lists of lenders that we work with who do investment property loans. One of the biggest things you need to do, there's really two things. You want to make sure your lender, if you're not going to use our lenders for some reason, if you say, oh, this guy loaned me money on my primary. So I want to use him. Well, the first thing you have to ask him is, do you lend in other states? Because that'll eliminate 90% of your loan officers right there. And then you want to see if they actually invest or if they actually lend to investors very often, because it's a pretty similar process, but there are some differences between owner occupied and investment loans. I mean, it's just a few pieces of paperwork for you as the investor. I have no idea how much work it is on the lender side. But, you know, if you don't get that paperwork in, suddenly your closing is getting delayed one, two weeks. The seller is getting annoyed at you. You're getting annoyed at your lender and yourself. And you're just wondering, when is this thing going to close? And it just it makes your investment experience not as good um, as it goes there. So you need to get pre-approved. And then after you get pre-approved, you really start hammering down, you know, and even during the process, you want to hammer down how much am I looking to spend and what kind of property is that going to get me? So, you know, if you're looking at spending $150,000 or less, well, then you know, okay, well, that eliminates Florida. That eliminates, you know, the higher end turnkey rehabs. It probably eliminates, you know, duplexes and triplexes and all of those. So it's really going to narrow me into these certain markets, which is fine because those markets are too great. It's just, you know, honing you in and knowing where you're going to go. So then you start working and finding the actual property that you want and looking for that single, double, triple that you're going to get. And then you uh, finally find one and you ask for it. And there's a very good chance that somebody may have already asked for it, but hopefully not. And then you uh, put it under contract and you get a contract sent to you. You've got a couple 48 hours to sign it. And then you have to send in your escrow money as well. It'll all be listed there on the contract telling you how much you need to send and where you need to send it. Once you get your contract and that's signed, you know, you start the process. You have to check with the, um, check with the seller and say, hey, is this ready to be appraised? Is it ready to be inspected? You should also, you know, you talk to one of the investment strategists with rent to retirement. We'll be able to help you with that as well. With the appraisal, that's just going to be getting your lender to actually order it and they'll ask you to pay for it. In today's market, it can take, you know, four to six weeks sometimes to get an appraiser in there, depending on how busy things are. And then if it's ready for the inspection, you just go ahead and find an inspector in the area and send them out to do it. And you know, that's going to cost a couple hundred dollars to get them to do. But most of the time, thankfully, there's way more inspectors than appraisers. So you're able to get somebody out there and they will find something wrong with the property. I can tell you that much guaranteed. That's what they're paid to do. If they came back and gave me an inspection report that said, Adam, this house is perfect. There's nothing to do with it. I would say, well, give me my money back, <laughs> you know, cause you, mm -hmm. you didn't do your job. Cause I know there's something wrong. I mean, I've seen new construction inspection reports. There's still something wrong that was missed because 
you know, when 10,000 things are going on in a project, some things are going to get missed or overlooked. And, you know, that's okay because the inspection reports are really just a continuation of the, the deal. So you get that. And I always say that's the second time that everybody wants to walk away because you get the inspection report and it's designed to show you the problems and you look at it and you say, why would I ever buy this property? It's horrible. You know, I want, I want to get out now. And then you look at it closer and you see, okay, well, these are actually just a couple of small things that need to be fixed and it just looks bad. And so you send it to them, you send it to the seller and say, Hey, these are the things that need to be dealt with. You know, these are my deal breakers. These are my, I would like to have happens. And they'll tell you, they'll come back to you and they'll say, you know, I we're not willing to do this. And if one of those is your deal breaker, then you need to decide if it really was a deal breaker. You know, because in today's market, sometimes sellers are willing to do things. Sometimes they're not. And a deal breaker to you may not be a deal breaker to them. So, you know, it could, uh, could cause you to lose the deal if it's that important to you. But what I like to tell people is think about it in terms of once this inspection report is received, we put it on file. So the next person is going to see an inspection report. And guess what? They're going to see the same thing. You know, so they're going to be looking for a person who's, you know, that's not a deal breaker too. So, you, you know, it's still a negotiation. It's a constant negotiation throughout the whole thing. And so once you get your inspection and appraisal and everything's happy, then we just got to wait for the loan officers to do their job and to get everything finished up. And then you uh, sign on, you start talking to the property manager, making sure that they're the people that fit with you, sign with them, sign your uh, mobile notary. So you don't have to even leave your house. And next thing you know, I'd say you have the keys to the house, but those go to the property manager. So what you're telling me is this is the exact same transaction process that you would follow anywhere, buying any house. There's no difference, right? The only difference is you have to sign a few pieces of paper that say this is an investment property. Yeah, of course, there's the, the lending side of it, you know, but but I think the kind of the take home message is that buying a property out of state, you follow the, the same procedures and same yeah. processes. To the inspection point, I mean, yes, inspections, especially for someone that's not used to seeing those. Um, when they when we talk about turnkey properties that are newly built or recently rehabbed, we have some properties that are not recently rehabbed, and that's um, explicitly stated on you know the the pro formas and our inventory, and they might have more deferred maintenance. But a lot of people, I think, have the idea that an inspection report will come back with nothing. And of course, as we know that that's not the inspector's job, they will always find a long laundry list of, of items. I, I refer to inspections as kind of an Instagram highlight reel of all the bad um, or <laughs> even potential bad. And, and you're, you're not looking at the house as a whole. I mean, you could walk into the house and it looks beautiful and go through everything. And it seems a hundred percent, you know, perfect, but then you get an inspector and they're going to nitpick little things, light switches that don't work. They're going to look at, you really need to pay attention to the big ticket items. There's, there's tenant safety issues where if those need to be addressed, then of, of course we'll go in and address them. If there's things that will lead to uh, issues down the road within a short or long period of time, leaks, you know, things like that. We want to make sure that the roof and mechanicals have at least that seven to 10 years of life remaining in them. Otherwise they're replaced on, on rehabs. Of course, with new construction, it's all new, but we look at the, the major items that actually matter. You know, there's a lot of things in an inspection report that are not going to influence the value of the property performance of the property. It's not going to affect the tenant. It's just part of having an, an older house. And so, you know, not every little thing will be done. But I think working with us, the important thing is that we're willing to go in with our local teams and actually address a lot of the inspection items that that need to be addressed. If you're being reasonable and looking at the things that actually are, are pertinent, 
Whereas with any other real estate transaction out there, you're going to get a lot more pushback from sellers on what they're willing to do with inspections. And a lot of times, especially in today's market, it's like, take it or leave it, take it as is, you know? So, but basically, you know, just to sum up the, the process is exactly the same. Yeah. We're going to walk you through the entire process. A lot of people will ask, well, what if I want to see the property or how do I feel comfortable buying a property site unseen? That's a strange thing. That's a daunting thing to do initially. And you just follow the same steps. You know, especially if you're using a lender, they're going to be the majority money partner with you on the deal. Lending at 75 to 80% of the property value, they're going to make darn sure that their, <laughs> their money is protected, right? That's why they require appraisals. They want to see those inspections. They want to go through and make sure the title is clear. They're, those are all requirements for the bank. So they're your partner assisting with due diligence. And that's the, what you need to go through with any property purchase, whether it's local or out of state. We provide ample information about the property scopes of work to show what was repaired on them you know, the title is going to go through their job as well as the third party appraisers and inspectors. And so after you have all that information, like when you sign a contract on a property, you're not buying it that day. You're just committing to go through and take the necessary steps to ensure that you feel comfortable with all the information that's presented to you through due diligence to then when it comes time, two months later, actually sign and own the property, you feel confident about the property. And so investors are welcome to come out and visit the property and the local teams before or after they buy it. You know, once they own it, now it's a business expense to go out and see it, uh, you know, but uh, it's just following the same steps, the same real estate transaction process. We're going to walk you through it. Make sure you have the due diligence so you're well aware that the house is meeting your expectations and you're familiar with it by the time it comes to actually close and own it. Yeah. All right. Well, Zach, I think that uh, about covers everything we're looking for today. I really appreciate you joining us. To everybody out there, head on over to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. You can see our inventory we have there. You can sign up for a call with one of the investment strategists. Happy to help you find team members, find properties, whatever you need in your real estate investing journey. You can also check us out on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash rent to retirement. We really appreciate you going over to your podcast platform and leaving us a review. We uh, want to know what you think of the show. We want you to let other people know what you think of the show. And as always, if you have any questions, you can email them to podcast at renttoretirement.com. That's podcast at renttoretirement.com. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Rent to Retirement podcast, your number one resource for wealth building, real estate investing, and stress-free retirement strategies. Continue your real estate education and invest with us at renttoretirement.com.